Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women's in the ring. Five fans to the two minute rounds, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. This is episode number 121 here on Thursday, December the 9th. This is our last show of the year. My name is Felipe Leon, all the way to you from Tijuana, Baja California, Norte, Mexico, and with us from the Inland Empire near Riverside at an undisclosed location is none other <laughs> than Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing tonight? Very good today, Felipe. How are you? Good, good, thank you. And jumping on with <laughs> us right on time is from the Bay Area, Mrs. Lupi Gutierrez. Lupi, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. You know, I I broke my tooth not too long ago, and I called my dentist, and they got me in. And here I'm running in. Oh, oh okay. there you go. <laughs> so... Like I was mentioning to uh, David Lupi right before he jumped on, this is uh, the last show of our year, and then we're going to be coming oh, back with you guys on January 6th. More than likely, that show on January 6th, our first of the year, will be focused on traditionally what we have is our two-minute round awards. So we'll be doing that on January 6th. But tonight, we don't have a guest. I think that's one of the rare times that two shows in a row we don't have a guest because we've been a little bit busy traveling all over Southern California and Nevada to check out some female boxing. And uh, so we didn't have a show last week when we were supposed to have it, and we're having it now. So we don't have a lot to talk about, and that's why we decided not to have a, a guest. So on that note, let's move on to our fight results fairly quickly here because on Friday, November 19th from the – SNHU Arena in Manchester, New Hampshire, a match from USA. The Zone gave us the first leg. Actually, this is not the first leg. This was the second or the second fight of this tournament where on the first fight we saw Chantel Cameron defeat former IBF light welterweight champion Mary McGee to unify her WBC and IBF titles. And now we had the second fight, the semifinal, actually, between Callie Ree scoring a split decision win over Jessica Camara of Canada in a scheduled 10-rounder for the WBA and the vacant WBO and IBO 140-pound title. The score is there were 97-93 two times for Reese and 96-94 for Camara. So what that means is that Miss Callie Reese, who knew, uh, fairly newly married to her manager slash corner person, I don't think he's a trainer, Brian, what's it, Cohen, um, she's going to be facing Chantal Cameron for all the marbles we expect in the first trimester of 2022 on the zone to unify, to give us an undisputed 140-pound champion. Lupi, we're going to start with you. You watched this fight. Were you surprised that Jessica Camara was so competitive that the decision ended ended up being a split one. 
I wasn't surprised. I think um, the, her fight with Heather Hardy, it showed, um, it was like, it welcomed Jessica Mira into the big leagues. I mean, she's really, she's fierce. She's tough. Um, I know, I mean, it was really close. It was so darn close. Um, and I know people uh, back and forth on social media have their own opinions about it. Uh, that last round where Callie can hardly step to stand up and she was beating um, Jessica. Je- it could have gone either way. Could have gone either way. But I am not surprised. You know, I'm a big patriot. I love my American girls. I really do. But I became a big fan of uh, Canada's Jessica Camaro. David, your thoughts on this 140-pound uh, uh, championship fight? Almost the same uh, as uh, what Lucy just said. I believe the same things. I, I thought she did very well against Heather, so I was not surprised. Uh, actually, when the fight ended, I actually thought Jessica had won the fight. But like mm-hmm. I say, uh, I tell a lot of people that sometimes when you watch a fight on television, as opposed to being in person, it's a different fight. And when they slowed down the fight so I could see some of the things that I could that I thought I saw, you could tell that uh, Kelly Reese has a lot of uh, technique. She used a lot of little slick counter punches that slipped in there, and I didn't see those from TV until they slowed it down and showed a different angle. And then I saw, oh, that's what Kelly Reese was doing, because. I thought she got beat, but then when I saw it again and the little slow motion, I said, okay, she was uh, scoring pretty well, too. So it was a, it was a great fight. Uh, I would never call it a robbery. I thought that both uh, women performed uh, extraordinary. And uh, it was, I think, uh, you know, I would go by what the judges say. You know, Kelly won and she won. Now, I agree with you guys, but for different reason. I mean, we know how good Jessica Camara is, and we saw her in that fight against Heather Hardy, which she ended up beating her. But I think it wasn't so much because, I mean, not taking anything away from Jessica Camara, which I think she gave a great performance um, in this fight, and she was really looking for the win until the final bell. But I was at Callie Reese's last fight here in San Diego, California, when she fought Deanna Prozic, a fighter that had not fought in quite a while, a little bit uh, older. And Callie Reese kind of um, struggled with that fight against Deanna Prozic. So it was more of what Callie Reese had done in her last fight that I thought that it was going to be a little bit closer than people expected because of Jessica Camaro's lack of experience compared to Callie Reese and the fact that maybe she was a little bit um, disadvantaged by the size because Callie Reese did look a lot bigger than her inside the ring. So, you know, that was the reason why I thought that, you know, that Jessica Camara had a really good chance of winning. That's why I wasn't really surprised that it was so close. But I'm intrigued to see where Jessica Camara actually lands, whether it will be 135, which I think might be the best weight for her than 140 um and then we're and then obviously the result of Chantel Cameron which in my eyes right now and Kelly Reese Chantel Cameron is the favorite in that fight to take all the belts but obviously we have to see the fights that's why they fight the fights maybe Kelly Reese can turn it around but in my opinion we have not seen the best of Kelly Reese in her last a couple of fights and she actually um is very frank with her career and with her performances and she actually said it 
in the fight against Diana Prazic in a certain extent. She also said in the post fight interviews against Jessica Camara that maybe, you know, uh, it wasn't her best version of her. So we'll see what happens there. One fighter that we might have seen the best of her now in the past is Argentina veteran, Argentinian veteran Marcela Acuña La Tigresa, who on Saturday, November 20th, suffered a unanimous decision loss to Debra Dionysius for the interim W, a vacant interim W 126-pound title. Scores there were 97-93, two times in 96-94. Now, one thing that we've seen with these veterans of this, mm -hmm. perhaps of the era right before the one we're in now, like Mariana Juarez, uh, mm -hmm. Jackie Nava, Marcela Cunha, is that yeah. despite losses, they don't want to go away. I mean, Jackie Nava has come off a win over also a 41-year-old Mariana Juarez. And Mariana Juarez, in the last two or three fights, she has not looked great. She looked way past her prime. And I didn't yeah. get a chance to see this fight, against, uh, this fight of Acuna against Dionysus. But, you know, looking at the, uh, the scores and unanimous decision, Acuna might be at the point where she kind of needs to think about uh, calling it quits, although... She is getting some recognition in her home country, Argentina. I think she's on some kind of like reality cooking show. So she's probably getting yeah, a little I bit of recognition there, there. But David, you know, why is it so hard sometimes with this type of fighter to finally say goodbye? Well, they're so used to performing at a certain level. And when they have an off night like that, they think it's, that's just it. It's an off night. But they don't realize that sometimes the reflexes go and they never come back. I've seen it happen to so many fighters. As my in my career as a journalist covering boxing, you see them and they have a certain reflexes, a certain speed, and then one day they wake up or they 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 fight and it's not there, and it never comes back. It does, no matter how much you train or how much you undertrain or overtrain, it doesn't come back, and it. It just they have to face facts. I've seen it happen so many times. You, you mentioned Mariana. Mariana looked very, very slow in her last two fights. And I know she was quicker than that. She probably felt it was enough then, but you know, I think it's gone for her. And who knows? There's a, you know a lot of other fighters like her that are right at that twilight. Uh, it could come to them too, just like Marcela Acuna. Lupe, how interested are you in a fight if Acuna could go down to 122? How interested are you in a fight between Marcela Acuna and Mariana Juarez? It would be interesting just for the fact that they are what we've been saying, you know, they're just great in their day and not slowing down. I mean, maybe not really, but if you want... I. I I'm changing because we just had the Barbie and the Jackie Nava and you don't get bigger than that. So, I mean, maybe if they wanted to do this Argentina versus Mexico, no, I don't think so. Well, there you go. Let's see what happens. Let's see what Mariana Juarez has adamantly stated that she's going to continue with her career. I haven't seen any statements from Acuna, so we'll see if she ends up continuing. And actually Jackie Nava says that she probably has a couple more fights under her belt. Actually, on the side note from that, I just saw a recent posting that 
the current WBC 118-pound champion, Julian Luna, has, you know, publicly challenged Jackie Nava to a fight. Is that a smart move for Jackie Nava? I don't think so. I mean, it's one thing to beat a 41-year-old Mariana Juarez. It's quite another to go against a mid-20s Julian Luna, who's the actually current champion. But I wouldn't be shocked if Nava takes that fight since she looks for big challenges. On the same night, on Saturday, November 20th, in France, Segolin Lefebvre scored a unanimous decision against Paulette Valenzuela of Mexico at 122 pounds uh, in a turnarounder to score the vacant WBO uh, world title there. Scores there were 97-92 and 86-93 two times. On Friday, November 26th, from Argentina, Micaela Luján scored a unanimous decision over Natalie Delgado in a 10-rounder to defend her 115-pound IBF title. Scores there were 99-91 two times. And the same night in uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, on the zone, the current 126-pound – actually, I'm sorry, the 100 – actually, she is 126. Is she? Yeah, 126 mm-hmm. WBA 126. World Champion Erika Cruz Hernandez scored a, unanimous, a split decision over Melissa Esquivel. There's no report of the scores. Honestly, I didn't get a chance to see this fight. I didn't get around to watching it. Lupe, did you watch this fight, and what did you think? Yeah, I I, I did watch. Um, and what I remember is that Erica Cruz sure likes to fight with her head down and just go. <laughs> you know, she just puts her head down and swings. But she gets the job done. I mean, she just she muscles her around. She kind of has like a, a Jessica McCaskill um, style. It's hard to fight that, you know. It really is. Don't you think, David? David, what do you think of this fight? And what do you think of this fight? And what do you think? What would be the most logical step for Erika Cruz right now? Obviously, not being Amanda Serrano because Amanda Serrano has something on her schedule. So what would you like to see from Erica Cruz after you give us your thoughts on the actual fight? Uh, well, the actual fight, I thought she won pretty easy. Uh, Melissa really didn't start fighting until the last three rounds. And uh, so I didn't understand why she even got one judge to give her uh, the fight. I'm talking about Eskimo. But uh, Cruz, uh, she looked a little different this time. She boxed more when she fought Jelena uh, uh, Lerjanovich, uh, and this time she balled, which was uh, completely a little – it was different from what she did against Lerjanovich. So I know she can box. It's kind of like the same – like like Yuppie uh, mentioned that uh, it's very much like Jessica McCaskill. McCaskill can box, but she prefers to be an aggressive uh, mauler. And uh, that's what that's what uh, Cruz did in this fight. As for who she fights after, if she doesn't fight uh, Amanda, uh, man, that's a good question. There's really nobody in Mexico she can fight. And anyway, I think it's a good thing that the Mexican girls fight other girls instead of just staying in Mexico because it becomes too regional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Moving on to Saturday, November 27th in Sweden, Patricia Bergul. Scored a unanimous decision over Olivia uh, Belkacem in a 10-rounder at 154 pounds for the WBC interim title. Scores there were 97-93 two times in 96-94. And from the Mass Mutual Center in Springfield, Massachusetts, in a battle of the Shelleys, Shelly Vincent scored a unanimous decision over Shelly Barnett in a Nate rounder at 126 pounds. Scores there were 80-72 three times. So 
Shelly Vincent, who had announced her retirement after her previous fight to this one, is back in the ring, defeating a opponent, but doing it the way that you're supposed to. I mean, we're not going to expect for Shelly Vincent, who doesn't have a lot of power to score a knockout, but basically dominating the fight with scores of 80, 72, three times. And one interesting thing about Shelly Vincent, just for me, because I'm in Tijuana slash San Diego, she's actually out here in Southern California on vacation. I saw her post on Instagram, like she was in La Jolla here in San Diego. She was in Santa Monica. So that's pretty cool. So um, she's out here probably getting away from that cold on the East Coast and oh, yeah. probably celebrating mm-hmm. her win. On Thursday, December the 2nd, in Orange County, we saw the return after a couple of years of Raquel Miller, the former interim WBA super welterweight champion against Sonia Drelling, scoring a six-round unanimous decision, scored over 60-54 two times, and 59-55 at a very heavy 175 pounds. I was actually in that wow. fight. Well, it was actually 171 for Raquel. Well, the um, quite heavy. Yeah, the um, the uh, uh, catch weight was 165, and Sonia Dredden came in at 161, and Raquel Miller came in six pounds over at 171. So that makes it a light heavyweight wow. uh, fight. Um, one thing that we did mm. notice about Raquel Miller's performance, like I mentioned, she had not fought in a couple of years. She had had some troubles with her management slash and promoter promotional team. She's a free agent now. Actually, she's working for now with an outfit out of of a LA called Sheer Sports. Who it's actually the first female fighter that they deal with. They had dealt in oh. the past with like Jason Quigley, Ronald Ellis, the McKenna brothers, and now they're working as an advisor to Raquel Miller. And um, but we did see the rustiness. I spoke to her coach afterwards, Bashir Abdullah, and he did mention, you know, that there was rust there, that they were happy they had gone the sixth round so she could kind of shake that off. And we're going to see what uh, what kind of action Sheer Sports can get Raquel Miller in. Um, her timing was a little off, but you could only expect it after not fighting for two years because of those promotion and managerial issues. And then obviously the tragedy of her mother passing away unexpectedly during that time. So uh, we'll see what happens with uh, uh, still undefeated uh, former interim WBA champion Raquel Miller on Saturday, December 4th in Guanajuato, Mexico. Now, I have no – I don't know if this was a title fight or not. I heard it was a little bit controversial. There's no scores. But Montserrat La Raya Alarcón, who I believe is a WBA, WBA Adam Weight 102-pound champion, scored in a majority decision over former interim – I think she was either 105 or 108 W. No, I think it was 105 uh, w, WBA interim champion, former Silvia Torres, the sister of Ana Maria oh, yeah. Torres. Uh, so Montserrat Torres scores a majority decision there. And the same night from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas on the zone, Jessica McCaskill scores a seventh route TKO over late sub Candy Wyatt in a 10 rounder at 140 pounds. Defending all her belts, the undisputed champion, WBA, WBC, WBO, IB, actually 147, I'm sorry, WBA, WBC, WBO, IBF, and IBO. Candy White was not the original opponent. The original opponent was uh, Bustos, Victoria Bustos? So is that her name, Victoria? Yeah, Victoria. Yeah. Yeah. She could not get into the United States because she was vaccinated in Argentina with the AstraZeneca 
uh, COVID. I heard it was a Russian. Hey, I heard it was a Russian. Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's COVID. called Sputnik. It's called Sputnik. Sputnik. Yeah. Sputnik COVID <laughs> vaccine. Yeah, and the, you, you, the American government is not uh, is not um, accepting that vaccination. So, was, so she was not able to get into the country. And Candy Wyatt out of Canada was tapped. Good showing by Candy Wyatt. You know, it lasted longer than I thought it was going to last. But before I yeah. give a full assessment, David, go ahead. Tell us what you saw in Jessica McCaskill stopping Candy Wyatt. Excuse me. I never saw anybody take so many blows to the chin and jaw like Candy Wyatt. I mean, mm-hmm. she took flush punches, and she was still standing. The first round, they could have stopped it. I mean, she got whacked. But then it seemed like she got adjusted, and, you know, she tried her best to hang with uh, Jessica, but, uh, no, Jessica's too much for her. Just stronger, faster, everything. Uh, more, everything. Yeah, just smarter. I mean, everything. I mean, Jessica McCaskill is getting better. She's getting better and better every yeah. fight. Mm-hmm. And she Loopy. can box if she wants to. What was that? And she Go can ahead, box, too. She has a technique. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I always tell people when she fought Erica Faria uh, the first time, she boxed her. And then the second time, mm-hmm. she she just mauled her. You know, and, and that's yeah, one I, thing, David, that I, I think we discussed it on our private chat is that, yes, she can box, but she opts and she does, like you mentioned, does some subtle things. Like, you know, she comes in at a different angle. She moves her head in a certain direction while throwing the overhand right. You know, she knows how to work the inside very, very well, but she looks, it's not pretty to the eye. You know, she squares Mm -hmm. up, she mauls, she holds, she, she, Drowns her punches by throwing them from too close. And quite honestly, in my opinion, and, you know, this, people might not like what I say, to me, it's not compelling television. I don't, honestly, I don't like, if she's going to fight like that, I don't like watching, yeah. quite honestly. Lupe, do you agree? Yeah, I, I do agree with you. It is ugly boxing. I, I, I yeah, I totally agree with you. Cause I watched, um, her fight with Cecilia with non-boxers and they were like, they didn't like, they didn't really like it. And it's, it, yeah, it, does, it doesn't make for pretty TV. She doesn't make it look pretty, but she gets the job done, you know? Exactly. But it, I don't think Bustos has ever been knocked down. Is that right? Wyatt or Bustos? Bustos. I don't think she's. I don't know. Well, I would have to let, yeah, let me look I, it up I don't real quick. So. Why? But why, why are you figuring that out if she ended up fight, fighting Candy Wyatt? Why yeah, I know. Why are you confusing her with Candy Wyatt? Um, it, it might have been tougher. I mean, Candy's been – wasn't she knocked out the last couple? I, like David said, everything David said, you know, she she's so tough. She took a beating. And like you said, Felipe, I didn't think it was going to last, like, the first or two rounds of, at all. I was really surprised it took her seven. Very surprised. You know Actually, what might have happened? Here's here's what's going on with um. Here's what's going on with um. With the um with Candy White, I mean, and and like I said at the beginning of of this of this uh, section, is that, you know, she was a late sub. The original opponent was Victoria Bustos out of 
Argentina. She got vaccinated in Argentina with a Russian vaccine called Sputnik. United States is not recognizing that vaccine, so they're not allowing people that have been vaccinated by that uh, brand to come into the United States. So we can't, you know, criticize McCaskill and her team for taking Candy Wyatt. It was a big card, MGM Grand, one of the major venues of boxing, you know, on the zone, which is obviously a big network. So the one thing you have to do, you have to make a fight. But going into that fight, Candy Wyatt had a record of two wins and three losses. Her three losses coming against world-class opposition. She was stopped in six rounds by Christina Linadartu in 2019 at 138 pounds. She beat Diana Gonzalez in a unanimous decision in the six-rounder. She beat Beatriz Aguilar in a unanimous decision six-rounder. Then she lost a unanimous decision in the 10 rounds against Callie Reed at 139. In her last fight, which I saw live as well, she lost a unanimous decision against Alma Ibarra at 145, welterweight. And then she she stays at welterweight on late notice and st- gets stopped in a TKO by Jessica McCaskill. So, you know, she's coming off two straight losses. She gets, a, she gets not only a world title opportunity, but undisputed world title opportunity. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's boxing, late sub, big TV network, big venue. It's going to happen. One and thing that I found interesting. Oh, of course, a great paycheck. Probably the best of her career, you know? Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's, it's great. One thing that I found interesting is that, I don't know if you got, caught this, but in her corner was none other than Jelena Muranovic. I saw that. Yeah, so, uh, so you know, yeah, female boxers uh, supporting other female boxers, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Jessica McCaskill got her fight before the year, something that she had mentioned that she was wanted to do, a fight against Katie Taylor, but she's not the only one, you know. So let's uh-huh. see what happens in 2022 with Jessica McCaskill, you know. You know, she she's uh, staying busy, you know, she's winning uh-huh. fights. Like we mentioned here, obviously she has a lot of skill. We've seen her box. We've seen her brawl. We've seen her mall. You know, one style is more attractive than the other. Um, she scored a knockout, which is only her, uh, I believe, I mean, she has very little knockouts. It's only her fourth one out of 11 wins. So mm-hmm. let's see what happens. Let's see what happens with uh, with uh, with Jessica McCasco in 2022. Uh, moving on. To Sunday, December fifth, out of the Staples Center. Now, the crypto—is it the Crypto Arena, David, or the Crypto Center? Uh, it just changed. It just changed. To Arena oh, or really? Center? Uh, I don't know. It's probably Arena, but um, it just—it uh, was still Staples when they fought, but it changed uh, this week to Crypto. Yeah. Okay. So at the Staples Center on the undercard, Gervonta Davis win over Isaac Pitbull Cruz. We saw from Baltimore, Maryland, Mia Ellis scoring a United decision over Elizabeth Twani in a four-rounder at 130 pounds. Scores there were 39-37 three times. And Ava Knight scoring a United decision over Nancy Franco de Alba in a six-rounder at 118 pounds. Scores there were 60-54 and 59-55 two times. One thing about Mia Ellis, we've had her here on the show, is that 
you know, she's only fighting on Gervonta Davis's undercard as of right now. She's, I believe, either two and zero or three and zero. Let me look it up. So, for being for being a four round three and zero, three and zero with two knockouts, uh, twenty one years old, so she's still young. But being a four round fighter, that's not enough uh, activity. She she made her pro debut in late two thousand nineteen. She had did not fight in all twenty twenty. Obviously, COVID, you know, but there have been fights once COVID, halfway through COVID, there was some fights being made. And then she fought January of 2021, and then she fought again in December. So, 12 months between her two fights in 2021, no fights in 2020, and then one fight in 2019. David, very hard to develop a fighter with that little activity. Yeah, it may be because of her size that other fighters don't want to fight her. She's very tall. Very tall, has speed, uh, power. She just needs experience, that's all. Uh, like you say, you have to get busy when you're starting like that. Uh, but I, I think her size kind of uh, intimidates people from accepting fights with her. So what did you think of her style since you were able to see her live? I mean, I did go to that fight card, but I showed up after those fights. I drove up from San Diego, so I got there a little late. I had a flat tire. But, you know, that's my problem. Oh, um, I know you should. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I got through it. But uh, <laughs> what did you think of her style, well, David? I mean, do you, what, do you, what did you see there? Well, well, like all young fighters that come from an amateur program, they're used to fighting on the outside. And she, while she was on the outside, she controlled things very easy. But Elizabeth uh, Tuani, uh found a way to get inside, and once she got inside, that's when the troubles began for Mia. And the last two rounds were very close, very, very close. Uh, Tuani did some good work. Um, Mia, that's where she needs experience, to learn how to fight inside without holding. That's the other thing. A lot of people, a lot of bad trainers will just just teach the fighters to clinch when, when the fighter gets too close which is not good. It's just not good for entertainment. It's not good for judging because it makes it too close. Uh, you just have to learn how to fight inside. And uh, there's little subtle tricks you could do, move to the side, uh, one side, the other, uh, go forward, uh, use your head to, to at a different angle. There's a lot of things. It's a, it's a whole different fight game, fighting inside from fighting outside. Outside, mm-hmm. the tall person has the advantage. Inside, the short person does. Now, I hate to scold you, Loopy, but do you have it on speakerphone? Yeah, I do. I just put it on speakerphone. Here, let me take it off. Okay, because you're getting a lot of echo. Okay, now I'm here. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so, um, also on that card, we saw the return after two years of... You know what, David and Lupi? I'm kind of surprised because I just looked her up on Box on Boxrec. Ava Knight is only 33 years old, and you would think that she mm-hmm. was about 40 because of her yeah. such an extensive. Um, mm-hmm. She went pro in 2007. She has 27 bouts under her belt, 184 rounds, and she scored a unanimous decision over Nancy Franco de Alba in a in a six rounder at 118 pounds. She came in at 117 and a half. Nancy Franco came in at 115 and a half. And it was actually a rematch. They have fought each other before in September of 2018 with 
Ava taking a unanimous decision there in a six-rounder. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to speak to you, David. I know that you have some kind of history with her. You know, you you interviewed her, obviously, in the past, and we've seen her rise through the ranks and her fights become a world champion and all that. Did, did she give you an indication that what weight class she's going to stay out? Because 118 is quite possible. It's the heaviest she's ever fought at. She's actually fought at 117 and a quarter back in 2018 as well. But she hasn't gone any heavier than that. Is she going to be around super flyweight or flyweight? Or what did she tell you if you get a chance to talk to her? Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to her, but I did get the, a chance to talk to people close to her. And what they told me is that she'll fight anywhere from one... 12 to 126. That's what they were telling me. But, uh, you know, we'll see. She's very thin. She's very, she's not uh, thick at all. And uh, I don't know if she can make 112, but I know she can make 115. And uh, she just had a baby, what, three, Mm -hmm. four months ago or something like that. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure she can make those weights. And whether or not she could compete at those Weights, uh, she's got a lot of experience. I'm uh-huh. positive she could fight any band of weight in the world. Whether she can beat a world champion, that's a whole different story. Um, she looks sharp. She looks very sharp against Nancy Franco. But uh, Nancy Franco, she's very cagey, very good veteran. Uh, she hung in there, and she found ways to make it very hard on Ava Knight. Um, I thought it was... I thought... Uh, I thought Nancy actually won a couple of rounds. Um, hmm. Ava uh, got away from her jab. Once she got away from her jab, then Nancy came in and uh, made it tough. And it became more of a, a, a battle of exchanges. But uh, she looked good. That was her first fight in two years. Ava Knight looked good. What would you like to see from Ava Knight, Lupi? I mean, she's fought, she didn't fight all 2020. Obviously, David just mentioned she had a baby four months ago. Obviously, COVID didn't help as well. She actually was pretty active in 2019. I mean, you know, um, and when I say pretty active, it's um, relative. No, she, she fought three times, but she does have 20 fights. But, you know, she hasn't fought a 10-rounder since 2014. She's fought six rounders and eight rounders since then you know so she hasn't gotten a chance to fight a 10 rounder in about seven years so that is a long time you know yeah. and it's been sporadic she fought she didn't fight in 2015 she fought in 16 uh two ice she fought in 18 three times three times in 19 no fights in 20 and then her first fight and her only fight in 2021 so at 33 years of age you know what what would you like to see from Ava Knight besides activity in 2022? Yeah, and it would have to be activity because it just seems – it is like what do you do with Ava Knight. I mean, you just talked about, you know, who she's fought, how she was, and, and here we are. Do we, does she have to start at the beginning? I mean, she, some of the opportunities missed, like a Melissa McMore. I mean, that's gone, you know. Um we used to ask for the uh, for the match with Sunisa. I mean, where is that? It's not anywhere now. So where do we where do we put Ava? I mean, do we did we have to start over in a way? Because that well, that Sunisa fight that everyone was calling for. I mean, that's Sunisa's a one on one. You know, 
Yeah. And let's play matchmaker here. Let's put on our matchmaker hats. What do you think at 115, Ava Knight against Adelaila Reese? I think it's a perfect fight. If, if she wants to get her name back in the books, she fights Adelaida, and that's a good match. And I think that is. And I think. And I think it could be made, I mean, if Marvin Nation, which is taking care of Lila Reed, can come up with a pretty penny and offer that fight to Ava Knight, I guess it's a great fight. It's a 50-50 fight in a certain sense, you know, maybe 55-45, 60-40 in either direction, because Ava Knight is freaking Ava Knight. I mean, she's yeah. fought La Roca Zamora, she's fought Mariana Juarez, mm-hmm. beat Mariana Juarez, she knocked the crap out of Areli Muncino, you know, she was, she drew against Kalisha West, beat Kalisha West, you know, she's going to obviously, she drew against Elena Reed, you know, she has five draws, a lot of those you could have said that she could have won, you know, that she kind of got, she beat you know, Mariana, for a ride. Yeah. Mariana Juarez. You know, Felipe, you, you know, yeah, Felipe, you, that's a great match because you kind of bridged the past, Ava, to, you like built a quick the future, you know, that's actually a really great match because it brings her back really quickly into the game. Yeah, that's probably the best And the play. winner, and the winner, obviously, be, gets a shot at Pequeño Lulu. And, well, I mean, I mean, I should be a promoter because, I mean, the storyline <laughs> is all there. You make this fight, yeah. right? And then, who, and let's say by Ava Knight wins it and she faces Pequeño Lulu and Pequeño Lulu, you sell the fact that Pequeño Lulu Lulu looks to avenge the loss of her sister. Bam. Sell it. Yep. Right there. Yep. Good that is. That's a novella right there. Yeah, but she does have to, right there. She has to get that first step, and that's – I would like that would be perfect. Recon- yeah. Name recognition think, right there. And and now, now let's look at the other side of the coin, and if Adelaida pulls it off, which she can. I mean, like I mentioned, it's either 50-50 or 55-45, 60-40 on either side, right? And if Adelaida pulls it off, then she has a big, big name under her belt, which is Ava Knight. And now she can really start knocking down the door on getting an opportunity against Pequeña Lulu for that WBC 150-pound title or any other big name around 115 112 or 118, which I believe Adelaida can make. Well, I know that she could fight at 118. I don't know if she'll be comfortable at it, but she has mentioned to you, David, numerous times that she could get down to 112. So, you know, so either way, it's a win-win for either one of them if they end up winning the fight, obviously. And if it's a good fight, you know, it could be a win for the, for the loser as well because, you know, um, a great fight – we saw it this weekend on the male side with Gervonta Davis and uh, Isaac Pitbull Cruz. It was a great fight, and Cruz, even though he lost, he didn't really lose. You know, now he's a big profile, and mm-hmm. the future is looking bright for him. Even though coming off a very close decision against Gervonta Davis, so let's yeah. see what happens. I don't know. I don't know who the matchmaker is for Marv Nation, um, or the matchmaker for Mayweather Promotions, but. I think that's a big profile fight, which we're going to talk about big profile fights in our upcoming calendar. And to me, this fight of Ava Knight against Adelaide Ruiz actually matches up the profile of the other fights that we're going to mention that are coming up 
in our upcoming calendar. But before we get there, let's move on to our fight chatter, kind of like a free-form fight chatter. Um, one thing that we did uh, heard through the grapevine is that proposed heavyweight bout between Danielle Perkins and Anna Gabriels, which when, when was that scheduled for, Lupe? I don't know if you remember off the top of your head. Oh, my God. I, I Maybe December? But I talked to let her, me, and she said see. that it was scheduled four times. Wow. But the last thing we heard is that it was postponed or either postponed or canceled. It was actually scheduled for – actually, no. Maybe, maybe my, this might be – uh, this might be the new date, but it's looking like a new date being February 12th. But I know oh, that it's scheduled sooner than that. Yeah, I know it's scheduled for sooner than that. And the reason that it fell out is because we heard through the grapevine that Anna Gabriel contracted COVID. So um, mm-hmm. that's why that fight fell out. But if it's the new date is February 12th, um, Good enough, you know, but but the, what does that say, David? I mean, is Anna Gabriel now a full-fledged heavyweight? We're not going to see her at 154, 160, or even 168 anymore? What are you thinking? Uh, I think uh, she just wants to get that title so she can entice Clarissa Shields to go after her. That's really my at, at strongest belief. Yeah. Wow. Because all you got to do is be above, what, uh, 186 pounds and you're a heavyweight. Yeah. Well, it depends. I mean, the WBO has that semi-heavyweight, but, I mean, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the whole reasoning. That's just my, my theory. Yeah. Well, let's see if it happens. I mean, if it's November 12th, let me see what day is November 12th. Let's see what day of the week is it. Uh, Sure, it's a Friday or Saturday. Um, yep, Saturday. So, uh, oh no, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Saturday, Saturday, November, uh, February 12th. So hopefully that happens, and uh, and we get to see that fight, which is very interesting because even though Danielle Perkins is obviously a natural heavyweight, we've seen her fight. She's a big, uh, big girl. Um, Hannah Gabriel has all that experience. You know, she has a lot yeah, of experience. Lot of, yeah. and she does hold the WBC. Actually, she is a w, actually she is a WBC heavyweight champion at a hundred um, at a hundred over one hundred seventy five pounds is is heavyweight in female boxing, and she is a WBC oh. champion. And then she is also the WBA light heavyweight champion. So actually, Danielle Perkins will be challenging her for the title. Wouldn't it be smarter, Loopy? To actually make a fight for Danielle Perkins, maybe at, I mean, a heavyweight against some other fighter. I mean, it doesn't really matter, quite honestly. I mean, we just saw what happened between Jessica McCaskey and Candy White, where Candy White gets a title fight with two straight losses. So find any other heavyweight, make face, have Danielle Perkins fighter for either the IBF or WBO titles, and now you have Anna Gabriels, who is the WBC champion, and Daniel Perkins, the either IBF or WBA champion, and then they face each other, and now it's a unification fight. Wouldn't that just make more sense? It does make more sense, and it would be it's going to be a tough fight for D. And it makes a lot of sense, but who are the fighters that D can – I mean, I know that Danielle Perkins, there's a, um, a Samoan fighter, a heavyweight, 
that she signed the contract and then the girl ripped it up. So she didn't wow. want to, uh, what's her name? Lady Tapa. Lady Tapa is her fighting name. So she didn't want to fight her. And then you see Lady Tapa fighting. Um, there's some other heavyweights that, I mean, Dee's already fought, you know. So where where are these heavyweights? Where huh. are they? Well, let me, you know, let let's me, get Marcus Salazar me. back. Well, according to according to Boxrick, there's, I mean, this is kind of this is this is where where you could kind of like see the criticism of female boxing, you know, because the talent pool is not deep enough, and you know, there's a lot of critics mm-hmm. that say, well, female boxing, the talent pool, and blah blah blah. I mean, obviously, the talent pool has grown leaps and bounds since last the last five, ten, fifteen years, especially with the Olympic cycles in 2014. 2016 and 2020. Am I right? 2012 was London. 2016 was Brazil. Am mm-hmm. I right? Yeah, right. And then 2020 Tokyo. Yeah. Um, but there's 11 active heavyweight um, female fighters. Number one ranked by box track is Anna Gabriel. Number two is one and no Sekita Hemingway. Number three is five eleven Ari Malesa, which that could be good enough for a world title. Number four is eight and eight with three draws. Mapule Nubani. I wouldn't go world title with that. Is Lilian Morlala, who is two and ten, obviously not a world title contender. And then number six, an American from Charlotte, USA, with four and zero and one draw, Saini Drawn. And number seven with three and zero, Daniel Perkins. Why not face Serena Drawn and Danielle Perkins for either the IBF and WBO? Winner there goes after Anna Gabriels, who's 21-2 and two in one draw. Okay, so, David, what do you think about that plan, if we could, if, if they could make it happen? Yeah, the only – it's a great plan. It's who's going to put up the money to fly them exactly. over. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, actually, no, let's go with that. Let's go with that uh, that four and zero against that three and zero. Both Americans, one's in Charlotte, and where's Danielle Perkins Who's at? Four and Who's the Charlotte? Uh, hold on, let me give you that name. It's uh, uh, Saini Drawn, thirty nine years old. That's another thing. These girls are up there in age. Thirty nine years old, four and zero with one draw from Charlotte, USA. Because. Anna Gabriels is 38. Ari Melissa from New Zealand is 29. Sani Drawn, which is who is from Charlotte with 4 0, 1 draw, is 39. Danielle Perkins, 39. Monica Harrison from Waycross, USA is 38. Princess, Head, Princess Harrison, 2 and 1, is 30. And Shia Faye Asbury from Dayton, Ohio is 39. Wow, these girls are up there in age. But that's kind of common in the heavyweight division. Now, let's. Yeah, and those two. And Go those ahead. two that you named, uh, Princess and Williams, they they fight, they fought the, you know, they fight more themselves, you know, so they are out there, those two. Now, if we went to light heavyweight, you know, there isn't really something that could be good for a world title. We got Ashley Curry, eight and 14, 36 years old. We have Marta Patricia Lara, Mexican who's 11 and 10, 34 years old. I bet you she weighs 175, and she's like 5'5", five, five, I bet you. Uh, nope, I don't have a, um, a height. Um, 
So, I mean, I would love to see a fight between uh, Daniel Perkins and this, uh, what's her name? Uh, Saini Drawn from Charlotte, who's 4-0 with one draw. Let me tell you who she's fought. She's from, actually, she, her birthplace is Germany, but she lives in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, 39 years old. I think that's the one you're talking about. Her alias is Lady Tapa. Lady Tapa? Yeah, that's her. Ah. <laughs> okay. Per D, they had a contract signed. It might have been during COVID. And she pulled out. And she pulled out last minute. Hmm. And then, you know, and D tells me, do you see her social media? She's always talking about she'll fight anybody. Well, she didn't fight me. <laughs> but that's the one. That's the one I'd like to see, too. That's it right there. Lady Tapa. I think that's the fight. That's the fight before... Um, before um, um, Anna Gabriel's, you know, I think that's the fight that needs to be made. It could be made for the the. Uh, who is isn't Daniel Perkins with Mark Taffet, David? Yeah. I mean, there's got to be a little bit of money there to make that kind of fight, right? Oh yeah. I say with twenty Angie's grand you can make that fight. You make with twenty grand you can make that fight. You pay each girl five grand, not a lot of money, but hey, it is what it is. You pay five thousand for the sanctioning fee. That's fifteen thousand. Another five thousand for travel and hotel. Boom, boom. Let's go. Let's save it up. Let's do a GoFundMe page for twenty grand, and let's try to make that fight two-minute round promotions. What do you think? I would do it for the heavyweights. Everyone loves the heavyweights. Yeah, that would be great. God, Jesus, that would be awesome. And I would make it in three minutes. <laughs> What's that? In three-minute rounds. And I would make it three in minute three-minute rounds. <laughs> Yep, they got to fight three minute rounds. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, give me one second. So actually, I'm sorry. Uh, number two in our fight chatter, um, just this week it was announced, Mrs. Holly Holm, UFC star, but before that, major boxing uh, name has been elected to the international boxing hall of fame one question that i don't know the answer to and maybe david you know is why only one female fighter was inducted whereas in the past we've had no, three there two. no there Who's was the two. other one regina helmich from germany mm-hmm. oh okay that's one thing that i didn't see in the report so they're not really making it a big deal about about regina helmich david what do you think about that because i see all the reports oh, yeah. has been um um Holly Holm mentioned. No, no. Regina Helmick also was the in, being inducted. She's the other one. I mean, and you couldn't overlook Regina Helmick because she was one of the first women to be a major draw in Europe. I mean, her and Daisy uh, Daisy Lang were were huge in Europe in in drumming up interest for the female game. What do you think about the election of? Uh... Um, what do you think the election of Holly Holm? I mean, well deserved. I believe so, but I want to get your opinion. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, she didn't always get. She always she mostly fought in New Mexico, but there was a reason because she sold out. She sold out when she was in New Mexico, and uh, I did see her fight in Temecula once, and she was very good, very athletic, very. She fought a lot like. Uh, not the same style, but she used her athleticism, kind of like Cecilia uh, Brakus, 
very athletic too, very athletic fighters. Um, and she used that to her uh, perfect advantage whenever she fought somebody. She was just a real great athlete. I, I, I saw it and I mean, she was quick, she was strong, she was agile, and nobody could beat her at that time. Very few. It's a shame, I think what, Mary right? Joe Sanders? Yeah. But it's a and, shame, uh, right, girl, that... But it's a shame, right, like, that, that, um, that, that, you know, she just didn't get a chance at boxing. I mean, yeah. like you mentioned, she was a huge draw in New Mexico, but... You know, she yeah. won some major titles, and then she also won, like, those those more female-eccentric IFBA mm-hmm. and things like that titles. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, it's a but shame that, everybody. you know, but she yep. might have been five years before her time. She's she's 40, she's 40 years old. She looks wow. in great shape. I follow her on social media. Her last fight, yeah, her last fight in, uh, in, in boxing was in 2013. She beat Mary McGee. Before that, she mm-hmm. fought Diana Prasnik, beat her. She only lost to Anne Sophie Mathis, but then avenged that loss in her next fight. And she lost to Rita Teresi back in 2004. Uh, other than that, I mean, Mia St. John, Christy Martin, Jane Couch, Chevelle Hellback, Melinda uh, Laranquente, yep. oh. David Minton, Mary Jo Saunders, I mean, I mean, Victoria Cisneros, Chevelle Hellback again. Christy Martin, yeah. you know, unbelievable uh, trajectory in boxing. But she was maybe like five years too early. She would have been exactly. right now, even at 40 years old, at 40 years old, but she would have stuck it out with boxing. She would have been a major, major name right now on the zone, top rank, yeah. on ESPN, mm-hmm. whatever you wanted to. With her looks and her agility and her skill, she would have been a big, big name. And it's just a shame that, you know, this era didn't come a little bit sooner for the likes of Harry Holly Holm. And, and she was one of the few that had a promoter. That's the other yeah. thing. I, I can't name more than anyone more than her that had a promoter. Maybe three other girls at that same time. That was it. Have you guys ever had her on the show? No. No. We actually I mean I I would I would you know, I would love her. I would love to have her on the show. Yeah. Maybe she should ask maybe we should try. What's that? You should ask Kenya. Kenya is a friend of hers. Uh, oh, Kenya is a friend of Holly Holm? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I'll try to work on that. I'll try to work on that, and uh, and we'll see if we could try to have her uh, early uh, 2022. Yeah, let's move on that. Um, and lastly, it's not on our fact chatter, but I just kind of remembered, Loopy, you're our amateur – well, actually, two amateur – boxing uh, stories that we, I want to follow up with you. The first one, which was, I think, earlier this week, announced that longtime amateur standout Jeannie Futch is going to be going pro. What can you tell us about Jeannie Futch as far as her amateur career, and then your thoughts on her actually deciding to go pro? First of all, how old is she? She's in her 30s. So probably like Mid thirties, thirty three maybe, that's what comes to mind. I mean she was the team captain um for twenty sixteen Olympics. Um and you know, she didn't make it then and uh same thing, you know, she was in the Olympics and didn't take it she may have taken a 
might have taken a bronze. I mean, her going pro, she hasn't really said anything, but the top, it would probably make sense that it would be top ranked, and that's just because her best friend, Michaela Mayer. Um, mm-hmm. I think after this Olympics, you have um, you have her going pro. You also have O'Shea Jones, who was also on the Olympic team. She what announced she's going pro. She, uh, she is. is she's she top rank, right? Maybe. No what? split T. Split T. Oh, okay. So, so her dad's. Um, you know this. I think with the Olympics. What happened with COVID, you know, USA Boxing kind of, um, they did some weird, uh, they kind of, not treated him Bradley, but I would say a little questionable. I mean, they redid the rankings once these girls were going to the Olympics, and they took O'Shea Jones, they took Jenny Fuchs off, they took all the Olympians off, and then they did a re-point system and all these new girls were ranked and they kicked all those girls off. And I, I, it was kind of being treated a little unfairly. I'm not surprised they are leaving to go pro. And that's just a little bit of, you know, the politics of USA boxing. Oh yeah. That's the average. A little bit of uh, Jeannie Fush. She's a softball flight way from Houston, Texas. Um, She got a, 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 bronze at the 2008 uh, World Championships in New Delhi and a silver in Lima, Peru at the Pan American Games. Like you mentioned, um, she started, well, she's a really good friend, best friend with Michaela Mayer. She started boxing in college to stay in shape. Obviously, she has some some, uh, talent there, 33 years old. And one of the things about her is that she does suffer from um, obsessive compulsive disorder. We've seen that in her social media and Michaela's Mayers. She's very open about it, very lighthearted about it, especially her friend Michaela Mayer um, that, you know, kind of makes, not, I don't want to say fun, but pokes at it and stuff. And Fush is pretty open to kind of going along with the with the game. Uh, um and then there's also a TV documentary promo, uh, produced by Oprah Winfrey and Apple TV about her. It's called The Me You Can't See, and it talks about her uh, OCD. So like we mentioned, it was recently announced that she is going to be going pro. No other news about that as far as the date, who her promoter is going to be, obviously who she's going to fight. So we're going to wait for that in the first trimester of 2022. And second story, Lupi, that we want to touch base on, there's a tournament going on in Louisiana, the USA Nationals, obviously female, mm-hmm. uh, females competing in that. Wait, can you tell us about that tournament? Um, I have a confession. I have it on right now. That's why I was a little bit uh, right now. I'm watching one of our girls, <laughs> on right now. <laughs> and she's... Um, she, she is at Beautiful Brawlers. Who are the first stars? Um, fight is elite. What is that? Who are the bright stars uh, that that were that are coming out in that tournament? I saw that um, a teammate, a gym mate of um, of Sulem uh, uh, Urbina out of Phoenix, Arizona. Her husband Andrew Soto took a young woman, a little girl, and she ended up winning. Yeah, I think she became a national mm-hmm. champion. So. Yeah, for sure. So the stars are the obvious ones. Um, Kayla Gomez, who is 
she just uh, went moved up into elites, and she did her first fight at Beautiful Brothers and won, and here she is. She just won camp. Um, and she was at the Pan Games last week, and she brought home gold. Uh, so she's, she's one of the shining stars, along with Jessica Guerra, who also brought home gold from Cali, Columbia last week. Uh, Julie Rodriguez, another elite. So she, so Kayla's 112, Jessica Guerra's 152. Um, Julie, I think, is 106. She also brought home gold from Pan Games, and she won earlier this evening. Uh, Daisy Bamberger, she just moved up to elite. She was ranked number one at 132 youth. So now is, um, she's moved up to elite, and that's why I'm watching her right now. Um, so those are, those are some of the shining stars. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, there was uh, one of the girls from Hawaii who was Kayla Gomez, is probably her toughest competition, and she is already elite. Her younger sister had a car accident and almost died a couple weeks ago, so Hawaii Oof. didn't show up. So Kayla's doesn't have that competition at this nationals. Oh, um, it's been pretty, uh, yeah. All the girls just started yesterday and tonight and it ends tomorrow. What so happened? What was going on in Cali, Colombia? Uh, it was the first ever junior Pan American games for um, the girls. Yeah. All the junior, but they're, they just moved up to elite and there was what age is juniors? Five. The juniors are up to 18, so these girls are, um, it's a little different what they're considering junior pan games because these girls that went are 18. And um, so we had Jewelry, Jewelry, Kayla, both from Texas, uh, Jessica from California. There was another girl, Sativa from California, and Faith Menace from Florida. Sativa was out the first round, but the rest of the girls, uh, Faith from Florida brought home silver, and the three other girls brought home gold. So they went in, and they kicked butt. And the cutest thing is, is when they were being interviewed, none of our girls, and all four of them were Mexican, none of them could speak Spanish. Huh. And it was actually very cute. And they were just, now, they were the hit. You could tell they loved them. Is that, is this, is, is there participation in Cali, Colombia, you know, sponsored by or, or, it's part of USA Boxing, or they're going on there on their own? No, it's part of USA Boxing. All those girls won um, the last Nationals, so they become they won 2020 Nationals and became the 2021 high-performance team. So because they were the high-performance team, they got to travel internationally. And the, the girls who won in 19, because of COVID, none of them got to travel. And I just saw Daisy Bamberger won, so she moves on. Um, and this is interesting. So Daisy Bamberger, she just moved up to elite. She won her first match. She moves on. She may be fighting another girl from California, California or Ohio, Idaho, um, Alyssa Mendoza. Whoever wins that is going to end up fighting the Olympian, Rashida Ellis. So these girls who just moved up to elite, now they're facing the older girls, and that's where they're going to, you know, run into – this, this is where it shows, you know, a little bit of older, yeah. a little bit more of a woman versus girls who just turned 18. Interesting. So we well, there you go. I mean, obviously, obviously, I mean, we all know if you guys listen to the show, Lupi Gutierrez and her sister uh, Blanca Gutierrez are heavily involved in the amateur scene, especially out there in Northern California with their Beautiful Brothers program, which obviously is quite possibly, if not arguably, in my opinion, the best in the United States. Um, they have this yearly tournament. 
you know, um, we have, we have, David and I have publicly on this show committed to going next year to the tournament. Um, So, you know, these are the names that, you know, just like Jeannie Fuss is at 32 years old and a, you know, a big time amateur, part of that amateur United States boxing, um, you know, team and world champion, uh, bronze medalist, Pan American game. These are the girls that we're going to be looking to go pro in the last, in the next five, six years, once their amateur career is over. And that's why we like touching base. Um, on these names because these are the names that we're going to be talking about in the next three, four, five, six, seven years as pros. So, Katie Taylor, big amateur career, obviously Clarissa Shields, two-time gold medalist, Michaela Mayer, a big-time amateur career. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. They started oh, yeah. the amateurs, they go <laughs> the pros, and they become the names. So that's why we kind of like to keep our 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 eye out and our ears open to what is going on in the amateur uh, program. Even though I don't follow it, obviously as closely as Lupe does and her sister and David doesn't really either, but we like to know the names. So when they do go pro, we recognize them. Um, So we'll continue to do that. So with that said, we're going to go on to our upcoming calendar. Like I mentioned at the top of our show, this is our last show of 2021. We are going to come back early 2022 uh, on January 6th, and we're going to be focusing not only on the fight results of what we're going to mention in our upcoming calendar, but also as well as our awards for 2021, Saturday, December the 11th, from Echo Arena in Liverpool. The Zone this Saturday night gives us Katie Taylor in her last fight of the year, defending all her titles at 135 pounds, WBA, WBC, WBO, and IBF against Firuza Sharipova should be a, I'm not going to say a walk in the park for Katie Taylor, but we shouldn't expect too much of a challenge from Sharipova since they're trying to maintain an, uh, 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 on a, on, no obstacles on the road to perhaps uh, a matchup against Amanda Serrano in 2022, David. Absolutely. That's very, that's paramount. Along with Amanda's fight coming up the week later. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Katie Taylor is the moneymaker. She's the top of the pyramid, and uh, they got to just keep her sharp. And Friday, December 17th, from the Bell Center in Montreal, possibly in ESPN, because Top Rank is promoting this show because on the main event is Arthur Bertiev, and this is a title fight. I'm not 100% sure if ESPN is going to be broadcasting this fight. Maybe on their you know, shoulder programming with um, ESPN Plus, but we do have former champion Mary Eve DiCary going after Mexican Cintia Lozano, undefeated at that, uh, in a 10-rounder for the vacant IBF 154-pound title. That's actually a pretty interesting fight. We don't really see a lot of Mexicans um, get that heavy at 154 pounds. We've seen it with Alma Ibarra at 147. So that is going to be, actually, and she's undefeated at 9-0. and so we're going to have her see her take on a former champion and Mary Eve DeCary, who we've had on the show. Good very, fighter. very nice lady. Yeah. Very and I'm sorry, December 8th. Who, DeCary or Lozano? Uh, I don't know much about Lozano, truthfully, but DeCary is, she's excellent. All right. So we'll see what uh, 
what what comes on on Friday, December seventeenth, and actually it does get um, broadcast on ESPN, some kind of ESPN platform. On Saturday, December eighteenth, from Osaka, Japan, Marina Hamara takes on Megumi Hosada in a scheduled six rounder at one hundred and five pounds. But there's actually four more female bouts. So we've seen this time and time and again where they make these all-female fight cards out of Japan. No big names, no television, obviously, but they continue to do so in Japan. So that's pretty interesting. And I'm sure we're going to have a report from Yuriko. What's her last name, David? Uh, Miyata. Miyata. God, I got to remember that. I remember her first name, though, this time. So I'm getting closer. Yuriko (laughs) Miyata. Um, giving us a report on that all-female bout card on Osaka, Japan. As you guys all know, you've heard it on the show before, David and I do write for uh, all-female boxing website, theprizefighters.com. Also, Jeriko Miata does that as well. So she's going to be giving us a, uh, a, uh, a, a report on that fight card from Japan. Also on Saturday, December 18th, on Showtime pay-per-view, on the undercard of Jake Paul against, I know his opponent just fell out, uh, and Tyrone Woodley. Yeah, Tyrone Woodley. I don't follow that stuff, but uh, I know that his opponent just fell out. But we are going to have Amanda Serrano tipping her, dipping her toe again at 135 pounds. Obviously, getting ready for, for what could be a Katie Taylor matchup in the near future. She's going to be taking on Spaniard Miriam Gutierrez in a scheduled 10 rounder. No titles there, but Amanda Serrano looking going from 126 to 135 to, you know, get ready for perhaps a Katie Taylor fight. Pretty pretty interested in that fight, Lupe, just to see. I mean, I wouldn't expect Miriam Gutierrez to be a big challenge, but let's just see what Amanda Serrano looks like once again, a little bit older at 135, Lupe. Lupe, I guess she's busy watching the yeah, amateur fights, Yeah, I did. Fights, I right? myself. No, I do myself. Well, we already saw what Katie versus Miriam looks like, so we get to see what Amanda versus Miriam looks like, and then that gives us like something into the future for Amanda and Katie. Seems like she's lining up for it first. Excuse me. Yeah, uh, Yeah. Miriam, it's, it's all about styles, and Katie had the style to be Miriam because she's a mover. Amanda's not a mover, and this girl Miriam is strong. She's very strong. I mean, mm-hmm. she withstood all those punches from Katie, and was still there. Um, it's a tough fight, very tough. She's a bigger girl than Amanda. Amanda's very petite. I, I, you know, when I finally met Amanda a few months ago, I didn't realize she was so petite. She's not the big, strong girl like most girls at lightweight, and. Uh, She's very petite. Uh, she's going to have to use all of her skill to beat Miriam. But well, with Amanda, she's happens. taking all these harder fights as she gets older. Like, she's taking some really good fights. I, Amanda, as she gets older, she's taking some really good fights. Like, her last few fights. But I guess oh, what yeah. else is she going to do? If you want the big Katie Taylor fight, you got to take her. Exactly. Yeah, she wants that money. And and also I mean I mean it's a it, she's a she's she looks for challenge I mean damn goddamn she has a lot of fights forty one and one with one draw thirty three years old yeah. she's not that old um but she's been fighting for such a long time she went pro in two thousand nine so she's Great been fighting. fighting for twelve years um so uh, uh let's see what happens with uh, thirty three minus twelve I got a calculator I'm horrible at math twenty eight 
21 years old when she went pro. Um, so, um, yeah, let's see what let's see how Serrano, Serrano looks against Miriam Gutierrez, and hopefully we see a fight against Cage Harris. The fight that everybody's been talking about. We've been talking about that fight for two or three or four years um, exactly. that needs to happen. And hopefully, you know, Amanda Serrano has, you know, some support behind her and Jake Paul. You know, obviously, Katie Taylor has matchroom boxing behind her. Let's see who just puts more money on the table and they make that fight happen. And lastly, on Saturday, December 18th, San Antonio, Texas, Golden Boy Promotions on the zone gives us two female fights on their broadcast. Marlene Esparza takes on Anabel Ortiz in her first defense of the WBC 112-pound title. Ortiz is was the former 105-pound WBA champion, moving up two divisions to challenge uh, former bronze, well, not actually former. She's still a bronze medalist at the hundred at the twenty and twelve um, Olympics. Marlene Esparza out of Houston, Texas, and also on the card, Seniesa Superbad Estrada taking on Maria Michelle Santiso at one hundred five pounds, defending her that WBA title. David, um, good fight. You know, obviously the opponents a little bit overmatched. Maria Michelle Santiso. Um, uh, undefeated. I think she's from Central America, uh, but obviously never has faced the likes of Sinez Estrada. Anabel Ortiz has faced the likes of Esparza in the past. A lot of experience, but moving up two weight divisions. What do you expect from these two fights? Well, actually, with Santizo, she's faced uh, Martin Esparza and, and similar foes in the amateurs in the world championships. So she does have a pedigree. Um, the word that I'm getting is that she's very, very good and has incredible stamina and technique. Uh, she's working right now with uh, Chris, uh, uh, not Chris Ben, but uh, she's working with uh, Salas, the Cuban uh, trainer in Las Vegas. Wow. Yeah, and so she's got, you know, good handling, and uh, I expect a tough fight. Of course, uh, we like uh, Sinisa. She's a pound-for-pound fighter. And uh, but it should be good. And I've heard I haven't confirmed that it's going to be a three-minute round fights. Wow! Hmm. In Texas. Yep. Yep. In Texas. For both fights, three minutes. Uh, probably just Sunita, because I think um, Marlon fights under the WBC, and they don't. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Three minutes. Huh? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Huh. Good. I That's hope we get two competitive fights then. Yeah. 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 I, 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 you know, and it's a high profile, um, high profile fight card. The last one for Golden Boy on the Zone this year, main event: Gilberto Ramirez fighting Uneski Gonzalez. Uh, so it's gonna be good. I'm looking forward to it. Like I mentioned, we're gonna do uh, real quickly. Saturday, this Saturday, December 11th, Katie Taylor against Perusa Chirpova out of Liverpool on the zone. Quite possibly, Mary Eve DeCary against Cynthia Lozano on ESPN on December 17th. Um, Amanda Serrano on Showtime pay-per-view against Miriam Gutierrez at 135 pounds on December 18th. And the same night on the zone, Marlene Esparza against Anabel Ortiz and Cines Estrada against Maria Michelle Santizo. Our next show, January 6th, here on the two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. This is our last show of the year. With that said, we wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. Season's greetings. Hanukkah just passed last week, so happy Hanukkah. Uh, happy Kwanzaa or any other 
Uh, and Happy New Year. Holiday. Happy New Year. Any other holiday that you may celebrate during this December from us here at the Two Minute Round, Mr. David Avila, Mrs. Lupe Gutierrez, we thank you for being with us a whole nother year here on the Two Minute Round. We love female boxing. We love talking about it. We're going to continue to do so until the wheels fall off. So with that said, we give you <laughs> good night. Have a great the rest of the year and happy new year. Happy so new year. Everybody. Bye. And now, your show, Two Minute Round.